G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Life, culture and current events from a biblical perspective. 2020 with Neil Johnson on Vision. Well, Canadian academics reckon homeless people should be given access to euthanasia. One in four Canadians agree. And now that voluntary assisted dying or euthanasia is law for most Australians, we might be interested in how quickly a slippery slope develops in other nations. Well, James McPherson is an independent journalist, political commentator and host of the Sky News program The Late Debate. He's also the author of the book Notes from Woketopia, laying bare the lunacy of woke culture. James McPherson, a special welcome back to 2020. G'day, Neil. It's good to be with you this morning. Now, James, there's some similarities between Australia and Canada. I mean, we're part of the Commonwealth, um, and Canada has a very progressive left government, and VAD, euthanasia, is escalating there. Uh, give us your thoughts here on what's happening in Canada and why it actually becomes a bit of a case study for us to look at. Well, what's happened in Canada over the past six or seven years since they call it MAID, Medical Assistance in Dying, was introduced, is quite astonishing. Uh, back in 2016, when euthanasia was legalised in Canada, politicians promised people it would only be for those who were terminally ill, with no chance of recovery, and with death uh, determined to be, uh, you know, any time within the next 12 months. So under those circumstances, you could qualify for state-assisted dying. Well, within six years, they have opened it up to um, people who don't have terminal illnesses, people who have mental illness. Uh, they're wanting to change laws to include children. And now there's an academic report just released by a couple of bioethicists who seriously argue that if you're living in poverty and would prefer death, then the state should supply that for you. And as you said in your introduction, one in four Canadians agree that that should be offered to uh, people living in poverty. So you'd be silly to write these academics off as just nutcases who are uh, doing what academics do, and that's pontificating from an ivory tower. These are serious proposals that if you look at what's happened over the past six years in Canada, uh, there's every chance to believe they'll end up going down that road. Well, there's always some extreme academics, James, uh, who research outlandish things to make a headline. And yeah. in some sense, they look to guarantee their funding in the next round of funding. Uh, but the yes. public survey is the concern here, isn't it? Because such a response from the public, one in four supporting what they're saying, that's the thing that's disturbing? Yeah, a company called Research Co. just did a poll in Canada and found 28% of Canadians agreed that a homeless person should have the right to state-assisted dying rather than remaining homeless. And 27% of people agreed that a person living in poverty, now how you define poverty becomes an issue, but a person living in poverty, uh, for some people that could mean they don't have internet, uh, should be eligible for euthanasia as well. So Academics are suggesting these things, but clearly the public mood is really softening towards 
uh, an issue that, you know, six, seven, eight years ago, Canadians were very nervous about. So it shows the reality of what conservatives often warn with uh, the slippery slope syndrome, that once you open one door, it makes the next door easier to open and so on and so forth until you end up in a place you never thought you'd be. And we see this all across the Western world with a whole lot of progressive issues. For instance, abortion was originally sold to the Western world as being safe, legal and rare. Now progressives insist anything other than abortion up until birth for any reason at all is a violation of human rights. Or if you take same-sex marriage, that was sold to us about being love and equality. And within a few short years of its legislation in this country, our finest political minds, including the women's minister in Queensland, can't say for sure what a woman is. So we see this slippery slope in progressive issues, and we're seeing that very thing uh, in euthanasia with um, lethal consequences. So the government changes the laws, and then in promoting the change, uh, saying all those good things about it, uh, almost becomes a trendy, progressive lifestyle choice. So you you have the change of law, it just becomes a part of your lifestyle, and this is where Canadians are at, and perhaps even we're on that slope somewhere too. But uh, this thought about, you know, lifestyle choices and promoting euthanasia as some sort of a good benefit to society. Any thoughts here? You're very clever, Neil. That's a great line, euthanasia as a lifestyle choice. I love it. But, But you're not wrong. I mean, there are corporations in Canada who have chosen, just like Bud Light has recently chosen to take up the trans issue in a way to make their beer more popular, although that didn't work. There are now corporations in Canada who are promoting euthanasia as a way to promote their own product as, uh, you know, enlightened and progressive. There's a fashion company in Canada called La Maison Simons who uh, produced a very slick, expensive TV commercial promoting euthanasia. The TV commercial was called A Beautiful Exit and it featured a woman in a wheelchair talking about how she wanted to die surrounded by friends and uh, promoting euthanasia as a beautiful way to end your life. Now, tragically, uh, after that TV commercial was produced, the woman who narrated it did end her life. She had a, um, a uh, illness that she was having trouble getting medical treatment for. It wasn't terminal, but she chose to end her life rather than wait for the medical treatment she needed and so you've got this incredible situation where a fashion company are marketing euthanasia now i don't know how that helps your product because if everybody chooses the euthanasia option there'll be no one left to buy your winter fashions but uh nevertheless it has become um a cool trendy thing to promote to the public so the government changes the laws. Uh, so marriage then becomes, in all of its alternative forms, something to be celebrated. Uh, abortion uh, becomes just a health issue and a resolution of a problem. And then euthanasia, uh, as you are saying, uh, the lifestyle choice. These things promoted to look like they are actually fun activities. But it seems to me, James, your thoughts here, because the slippery slope appears to be in the form of all of these easier approvals because it started off hard and it gets easier. And that's what the slippery slope is. And then all of a sudden, uh, this uh, way that all of the whole general public can think this is a normal part of life. It's funny, you know, and the media has a big part to play in this. I remember as a 17-year-old journalist working for the Korea Mail 
I wrote a story about a gentleman who wanted to end his life with the assistance of the government. And this was before euthanasia was ever legalized in Queensland, long before. And I wrote in my article that this particular person wanted to die. And I was uh, told by the editors that I was not allowed to write that because it might upset family members who read it. So instead, the article was changed to say that this person didn't want to die, but they saw themselves as a candidate for euthanasia. And I remember thinking as a 17-year-old, you know, you see yourself as a candidate for a political party. You don't see yourself as a candidate for death. The fact is, he wanted to die, but I wasn't allowed to say that in the newspaper because it might be too confronting. So what we do is we change the language around those things that we speak to make them more palatable. So, for instance, it's dying with dignity, or in Canada, it's medical-assisted um, um, dying. And, and so before long, you forget what you're actually talking about. Euthanasia is a word we use, so we don't have to use the word dying, death, or dead. And uh, we see that in abortion as well. It's never an abortion. It's a termination or it's health care. Uh, we see that in um, homosexual marriage. It's not homosexual marriage. It's uh, marriage equality. Uh, it's letting love win. And so through a sleight of hand and through an obfuscation of language, uh, these things start to become uh, more palatable than they would be otherwise if we just spoke in frank terms. So if you uh, use the terminology healthcare, as they do very mm. cleverly there in Canada, medical assistance in dying, uh, so then you might assume that mental health, well, that sounds like it could be a healthcare issue. Homelessness, um, making that a healthcare issue and offering dying for that. Uh, people who are having a, a bad a streak when it comes to their finances and they might find themselves in poverty. Um, you know, the option being offered, maybe you should end your life. Uh, and then, of course, then there's the age differences, uh, children being included there too as being considered to be, uh, I think, what they call mature minors so that you can justify children having a choice. These sorts of things under a healthcare banner. I mean, I think... For most ordinary people in their ordinary thinking, that's a stretch, but it becomes more and more acceptable. And, and it's funny, Neil, that they talk about health care, but it's not about care. It's about budgets. Uh, a Canadian parliamentary budget officer issued a report in 2020 uh, stating that the government would save $66 million a year uh, by sponsoring deaths rather than trying to treat people. Um, more recently, there was a study done that suggested euthanasia in Canada could save the health budget up to $100 million annually. And so, you know, they say health care, but governments uh, with increasing deficits are going to use euthanasia to save their health budgets. And that's the real issue that should concern people. There was a, a couple of instances in Canada, and there, there's now a parliamentary inquiry going on to find out how prevalent this is. But... Um, former military personnel were being advised by Veterans Affairs when these former soldiers rang up to find out, can we get some assistance? Can we get some care? Uh, people in the Veterans Affairs Department were advising them, well, we could supply this particular care that you require, or have you considered euthanasia? We could help you out with that. And so you've got government departments suggesting to vulnerable people, you know, rather than us help you improve your life, have you thought about ending it? We could help you with that. And uh, that's not about care. As I said, it's about saving government money. 
As Christians, James, let me get your thoughts here on a spiritual level because as Christians we hope and uh, lots of us will have expectation that our governments that we elect to power actually use the resources that are uh, coming in via taxation to actually care for those who are vulnerable, to help the poor. And we've got a Christian position that says it's not really our place to take life. God's the one who numbers our days. We're created in his image, and that's what gives us real value. So uh, if we leave God out of the equation, even our expectation of what the government ought to be doing, uh, it goes out the window as well. Any thoughts from you here? Yeah, well, I think you've hit on the key point in secular culture, Neil. When you leave God out of the equation, then um, life quickly becomes... Uh, uh, will, will you take on a utilitarian sort of viewpoint where uh, you base the value of life entirely it's on its utility? For instance, if you don't have a house, well, what's the point in living? You might as well die because there's no future hope. And the great gift that Christianity gives to people is the hope of a future beyond this life and, uh, and the hope of um, redemption, which makes the suffering in this life um, worthwhile and enables you to get through it. So that's the great message that Christians have for a world that's really looking for a reason to continue living. As for Christians, yes, we're to provide care and love, and there are many great Christian organizations that do a great deal to provide palliative care so that people are able to have a, um, a death that is filled with dignity and um, where people are able to be kept comfortable in the latter stages of their life. Unfortunately, governments would rather fund euthanasia than fund Christian organisations to provide end-of-life care. We might be shocked at just how fast things have spiralled downwards in Canada as we're having this conversation. I mean, uh, I, mean I think uh, you could speculate, you know, if you have no house, as you mentioned, uh, if you don't look like a supermodel, or if you're not the best athlete, uh, maybe, you know, there's something in your thinking that's introduced by the government. But the pace of change has been dramatic in Canada. I think you said it was just seven years yeah. uh, since they uh, legalised euthanasia. The pace is just dramatic, isn't it? Yeah, Canada is, is a warning, I think, to the rest of the world. It's probably the most secular country on earth right now. And, I mean, we saw during the COVID pandemic, uh, the response of a left-wing progressive government to people who dared to question government policy. I mean, you may remember during the truckers' protest, people had their bank accounts frozen by the government for the crime of disagreeing with government policy on lockdown. So um, Canada has very quickly uh, moved to um, restrict human rights, but all the while preaching human rights. And so what we see in Canada is is the more you go down the leftist road, it sounds like freedom, it sounds like human rights, and yet more and more you end up with a culture of death and a limitation of human rights. It should be a big warning to nations like Australia that we discard our Christian heritage at our own peril. And it seems to me if Christians don't have a firm position on what life is and those mechanisms to protect it, no one else will because... Uh, if a nation turns its back on God, uh, it isn't going to have people as valuable front and centre, are they? This should be a big issue for um, our political parties, especially our conservatives, is not just dignity of life, but 
the right to life and the sacredness of life. Because in a secular culture, life is not sacred. As I said, it becomes uh, measured according to its utility, according to what you can get out of it, uh, rather than life is valuable because we are made in the image of God. And that makes every single person, regardless of their circumstance, regardless of their situation, valuable, worth fighting for, and certainly worth funding from a government perspective. You're not going to find that in a secular culture. So uh, Christian politicians and certainly Christians at the ballot box should be very motivated to support those political parties that uphold the sanctity of life. Uh, fabulous. And I mean, and I mean the yep. ultimate self-interest in that is, I mean, we're all alive, right? Yep. So why wouldn't you support politicians who believe that your life is sacred? I mean, that's the ultimate um, self-interest uh, right there. I guess we just need to convince the politicians that they need to make that a part of their policy platform. Hey, uh, the Sky News program, The Late Debate, you're the host. How's things going with your uh, television appearances? It's going really well. So The Late Debate is on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday nights, 10 o'clock till 10.30. So it's a tongue-in-cheek, bit serious as well. So we have a bit of fun, but we talk about the news of the day. Uh, four nights a week, and uh, of course you can access that on Foxtel or there's an app called Flash News. I think it's only $8 a week you can subscribe and you get all the Sky News as well as uh, Fox News and those sort of channels, and you can watch it on phone live or delayed. The the program's going really well, Neil. It's been an absolute joy. Well, I think it's a good lesson in how to argue a point because uh, some of those robust conversations you have there, uh, they are just fantastic to watch. So uh, encouragement for listeners there to tune in Sky News, The Late Debates. Host is James McPherson. He's got a couple of offsiders who are outstanding quality too. Uh, let me point people to the jamesmcpherson.substack.com website because uh, the sorts of things that we're talking about today, James is writing about these. And you can receive articles from James in your email uh, uh, inbox each morning. jamesmcpherson.substack.com. You can subscribe for free. And, of course, keep an eye out for James's book, Woketopia, Laying Bare the Lunacy of Woke Culture. James, thanks so much for another important update once again today on 2020. Thanks for having me, Neil. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au. 